All right, everyone, it looks like we are live on both YouTube and DLive. Hopefully this is actually functioning. I'm trying to check all of the sources, and it does look like it's going out where it's supposed to. If anybody is not getting anything, definitely let me know in the chat. But it looks like it's coming through loud and clear. All right, so welcome to the 8th Secrets of Saturn live stream here on this lovely Wednesday evening. Tonight we'll be doing UFOs and Tesla technology. This was another uh, Wayne idea, so we'll let him lead off in just a moment. But the one and the only Crow777 is joining us for at least a little while. We'll see how long he sticks with us. So, gentlemen, hello. Ahoy. Good evening. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Secrets of Saturn Live. I uh, just wanted to mention we're going out on uh, the Fringe FM, too, uh, for at least the first hour. We wow. should be. We should be on for the first hour. So that's three sources all at once. I think I could have tied in my Facebook, too, but I really didn't want to just send it out on my normal channel. I, if anything, I, I got to figure out how to send it out to the Crow 777 study and discussion group. That would be cool, too. But I guess we'll save that one for next week since I can't believe it. We actually got this to work properly. So I'll leave it up to Rose to run the DLive side of it. I'm going to keep an eye on the YouTube stuff, but it seems... Like everyone's seeing us, because someone just said, "Nice haircut, Wayne." Oh, that would be that would be Randy Neiman. <laughs> Hello, Randy. Holy crap, man! I work on my uh, Thursday show. Come back, and you guys are syndicated. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I guess. Thanks the... for the compliment, there, Randy. It's, <laughs> he was trying to look more like you. Mercy. <laughs> Randy, the Rand man. <laughs> so if anybody is not aware, I did get the soundtrack to Shoot the Moon up on CD Baby. We have a Crow 777 artist page made, so if anyone wants it, it is there for a $9.99 download. I uploaded the highest quality I could, so it should sound pretty spiffy. And I'm working on CDs next. Anybody else want to chime in anything before we get this conversation started? Have people been been finding that, Jason, on CD Baby? I haven't even looked. Uh, it's easily findable by a search now. It even came up on a Google search that I did just for the hell of it. But only two mm. people have bought it so far. So there you go. Bigfoot is a uh, hoax. We ought to mention here early on, too, Jason. Sorry to interrupt, guys. But we ought to mention uh, our sponsor, uh, LowerTheFriction.com. Absolutely. We're gonna, we're gonna you guys are syndicated them. and you have a sponsor? We have a sponsor. Holy the one, the only, Randy from Houston asked me if we would like to have a, uh, a sponsor just to try and see if it does anything. And as a matter of fact, he said two bottles. Well, this is what I knew as of the other day. Two bottles did get sold from mentioning it last week. So go to LowerTheFriction.com and use promo code SOS for 5% off. And what is it? Well, I actually went to visit Randy from Houston in Houston. And he changed my oil, and we put a bottle of the uh, engine oil treatment in. And I did indeed seem to have a quieter engine and get about three miles per gallon more on my trip back. That's what I – that was my guesstimate, if I have to say. Uh, well, it's supposed to work better as things go along because it actually starts getting into your engine doing its thing, but that was just uh, two days ago. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. If if I'm getting even three miles per gallon better, that will add up for the insane amount of driving I do in a year. So, And I believe the bottle is $59.99, and then you would, if you use the promo code, you get 5% off. Got anything to add, Wayne? 
Uh, no, I don't really have much to add. I, I would just like to add that I am familiar with the product because uh, it has been on the market in one form or the other since 1975, and it uh, is used by professionals in the racing industry as well as uh, just your everyday ordinary people who want to just extend their engine life so it is a good quality product so uh, if you guys have the means and are interested give randy the business he's uh, a stand-up guy that's and for sure. uh Absolutely. you know it's a it's a great product yeah Rand, you're never going to meet a more honest man than randy um but i see a question already um, am i addressing questions in here i guess i am um, the second sun footage that I posted that I shot in 2016 was shot with a hydrogen alpha telescope, which means you're basically seeing that spectrum. Um, they look different, if I had to venture a guess, is because you're looking through something at one of them and looking directly at the other. That's my best guess. Cool. Yeah, we'll definitely take questions. We always keep these really nonchalant. We always pick a topic, but if anybody wants to talk about anything particular while we're here, absolutely not not bad oh three miles per gallon is a huge difference yeah it might get more i have a small engine and i don't drive like a maniac so hopefully as it works its way into that little 1.5 liter honda engine it'll start doing better we'll see even that was worth it though you know randy's website is www.lowerthefriction.com go to the engine oil treatment put in promo code sos and you'll get five percent off that 60 dollar bottle and if it starts building up and building up and building up, I think everybody knows how the scale of economies works. Obviously, we might be able to do a better promo in the future if you actually start selling some. This is kind of a, a secondary project for him. He really likes the product. The reason why he's doing it is because he actually really believes in it. He knows the inventor of the formula and wants to get it out on the market again. And we're just trying to see what happens. And uh, this is a great platform just to kind of give it a shot since we have a lot of open-minded folks out there. Uh, what do those different colors indicate, Crow? That's what the, the, the gentleman is asking. Uh, that's a tough, tough question. Um, first of all, we're looking in the hydrogen alpha spectrum uh, through a telescope. Uh, although I did shoot it with that telescope with my full spectrum, um, what it tells me is there's a difference um, between the two things. Is one a reflection? Is one the source for the other? I don't know, but there's clearly a difference. You'll also notice that the one that's more red is less focused, as if you're looking through something at it. Um, fact is, we need to know a lot more than we do. As a matter of fact, I never would have put that out had uh, Chris Van Maitre not replicated it. Yeah, do you want to take two seconds to, to go over that real quick? Chris Van Maitre got in nearly identical. I think he had one thing that was slightly different, right? and then was starting to get the same results. He was seeing what you were seeing. So something in that equipment was obviously able to visualize it in a completely different location, uh, hundreds of miles away, right? And he's in, he's in the middle of the country, if I remember correctly. I think he's in Colorado. Um, yeah, and well, not only that, we, we thought in the same way. Um, I was concerned that it might be a lens flare somehow that I couldn't figure out, so I got along cardboard tube and put it over the end of the telescope actually what chris did all those years later when he replicated it is he spray painted uh, a tube inside and out black to really with a flat black to make sure it wasn't um any kind of a lens flare uh, the point here is is we know that there's two things you can image up there that's about all we know we know one of them is the sun of course we know the other one's almost the identical same size um for my money, I think when the conditions are right, maybe if the time is right, you could image this without hydrogen alpha 
at sunrise or sunset. I think that's maybe part of what chemtrails cover. If you ever notice and you try to see a sunset, where I have lived, uh, it's been nearly impossible. I think since I've been in Rhode Island, I've seen, I don't know, four or five sunsets that weren't obscured by chemtrailing. Um, there's got to be a reason for that. Uh, Andrew is still asking, Does it? so it doesn't mean more hydrogen alpha or less like a pH indicator? Well, I don't think we're really sure I, at this point, right? Yeah, I, 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 I can't honestly answer. I, I don't know enough to honestly answer what you're asking. I, I See, what you're asking seems like a logical question. I mean, I know what you were thinking about when you asked it, but uh, there's two problems here. We don't know enough about the event, and I don't have near the time um, filming the sun as I do filming the moon. I'd be much more apt to take a stab at a moon question. I have thousands of hours. I only have a few hundred hours filming the sun. Cool. And of course, you and Chris want to, uh, when you have time, be able to coordinate and see if you get, well, to see what you get if you do things at the exact same time in, in those different locations, right? Well, not only that, when Chris replicated it, uh, the two objects were in a different position or a different, you know, orientation to one another. Um, but as the, there's so much that goes into all this. If you remember the Dave Marsh episode, um, he took pictures of the moon that were identical and he put them across the top of his wall and then filmed each one and proved that the apparent rotation, like uh, if you were looking at the moon and there was a 12 o'clock mark and it looks like it moves down towards 3 o'clock, uh, what Chris Van Matry proved is the moon's probably not rotating. It's just the point of view as the moon apparently moves away from us. Chris Van Matry also proved that the moon is the closest to us when it's at zenith. Um, so we got a lot to unlearn and we got a lot to relearn. And unfortunately, the sun is very difficult. I'm working on getting a permanent mount for my scope. If I can pull that off, um, you'll see a lot more from me in that vein. And Crow does, of course, intend to do a lot more. He, he kind of had a little bit of a break there, but that was due to change of locations. And I know he's itching to get back to doing some serious stuff because I don't know if anybody has really captured the amount of stuff that he did over the course of four plus years. Even to this day, I still think he's might be on top of that game. What do you think, Crow? I think anyone could do it. All it takes is every minute of your life. Uh, Eric in the chat room is asking... I can actually answer this, too, because Randy and I did this test one, one night I was visiting him. Have you noticed that moonlight is cooler while outside shooting the moon? Uh, Randy and I did that with a thermal, um, what do you call it, little thermal, uh, infrared thermometer. thermometer. That's yeah. what I'm trying to think of, yeah. We tried that, and indeed, something about moonlight, it was cooler than uh, than the shade. Very odd. But what what have you come across? Well, Eric, if you want to know some things, there's a book called Zetetic Astronomy, Z-E-T-E-Zetetic Astronomy by Parallax, which is actually Sam, Samuel Robotham. Um, he, he flat out demonstrates that they magnified moonlight, I think, something like a thousand times and proved that even magnified a thousand times that the temperature goes down. Um, in that book, he basically over a hundred years ago said everything I said, with the exception of an, ex uh, an explanation uh, for what actually does cause an eclipse. I say it's the nodes from the old Vedic ideas. I don't think he was aware of it, but he literally verbatim went out, observed firsthand, which is what a Zetetic astronomy is about, and he said damn near everything I said. 100 years before I did. When I read it, my, my jaw fell open and I stayed up all night. I read that book cover to cover. 
But anyhow, it's a source if you're interested. Have there been any pictures taken as the moon being an x-ray projection? It looks oddly like an x-ray photo, like the bones of something. Hmm. Interesting thought. Um, I'm not aware of any weird, you know, like to, to use a hydrogen alpha, like I, I've tried to use my hydrogen alpha on the moon, but it's cutting down, it's knocking down the light to a fraction of 1%, so the moon's not bright enough. But I have said for a long, long time, if you can get good spectral tools, the spectral tools we can get now are near IR and near UV. Back in the day, 70s, before that, you could get way further into these spectrums. And I have said for a long time, if anyone could get a hold of tools that got further into the spectrums, you would be able to film some amazing stuff. Cool. All right, Wayne, this was your topic, so you want to lead us off? Uh, yeah, this is actually a very broad topic when you're talking about uh, UFOs and Tesla technology, because uh, Tesla had an awful lot of inventions. And, you know, it, it could be argued uh, one way or the other whether this was a real guy or not. Uh, I, I kind of tend to think this was a real person, but, you know, the mythology that surrounds uh, the things that he did have kind of escalated in recent years uh, and you know, the things he's credited for may not be 100% on target with, uh, you know, what, what they try to push with him. But uh, I think there was definitely a guy named Tesla who was pretty smart and figured out a lot of things about uh, how electricity works. And uh, more to the point, how uh, a lot of things in our, our universe work. So uh, when you look at it from that perspective, this guy is the one that brought us things like radio and uh, wireless uh, communication, things like that. So uh, that cell phone in your pocket today, you wouldn't have it if there wasn't a Nikola Tesla who uh, came up with these ideas and figured out ways to do this stuff. So uh, what he was trying to develop was actually free energy technology, wireless uh, electricity uh, for everybody to use. But uh, his plans of that got stymied pretty quickly once the banksters got involved. And isn't that so much like everything else in our world today? So that's that's kind of uh, where we're at with that. But uh, it could be shown that much of what's accredited to uh, quote-unquote UFOs, that these technologies, these propulsion technologies and whatnot, uh, could trace their roots back to Tesla and a couple other heavy hitters in the uh, physics community way back when, like guys like Maxwell and Heaviside and... and uh, those guys and you want to know something that a lot of these guys all had in common autistic they believed in <laughs> no no although maybe they would try to tell you that nowadays when they're pushing the autism narrative right uh with that but <clears throat> the one main thing they had in common is they all acknowledge the existence of the ether and that's something that's missing from our modern physics today thank uh, you Einstein. The of, <laughs> yeah from the time of einstein on they kind of did everything in their power to push this idea just out of the mainstream uh, scientific community. And, and still to this day, like you go uh, to the major universities and stuff and all these science schools, and they, it's like, you know, you don't want to mention the word ether to them because they'll ostracize you for it. They, they think <laughs> I'll, it's I'll absolute do it. nonsense. Yeah, I'll do it. And you can't, you can't have any mystical realities in a science-based world, but here, here's a weird thing to think about. So imagine there was an inventor less than 100 years ago who had a unique last name, 
and imagine that a modern corporation took that last name and turned it into a corporation. Uh, does anyone see the irony in what's gone on there? So did they have to go to the Tesla family to license that? Or how does that work? That they were just so readily able to snatch the man's last name that was supposedly defamed by Edison in Six Ways to Sunday. Good question. Uh, there's also there's also the 1980s rock band Tesla too that stole his name, and which, by the way, the great radio controversy still holds up as one of the best albums of all time, in my opinion. But uh, that, that's beside the point. <laughs> so, Crow, do you want to take a stab at describing what Ether is, or or even Wayne? Uh, I, I don't know if I would do it any justice. It's in my it's, opinion, though, it's the uh, it's the original use of a cosmological constant or the nonsense that they call dark matter these days. I think it's the other variable that they decided to shove off and start adding in other crap, but whoever wants to take a stab at that, go right ahead. You know, it's, you could describe it as a mystical thing that's real, um, but more so uh, it's like the energetic glue that binds it all. And um, I describe it to people who have never thought about it. Like if you're going to look at the old alchemical elemental ideas, which to me are many, many times more useful than the nonsensical periodic table that I will try to take apart someday, you have earth, air, fire, and water. There are four of them. Now the fifth one, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, Wayne, is a Socrates or Plato is supposedly credited, and again, who knows if they existed, with the fifth element, uh, the quintessence was called at the time. We call it the ether, but here, here's the thing. Not only was the ether known throughout time and used, and not only in like used in ways for human beings to make and do things, but at the spiritual side of a human being in meditation, making use of the ether. It's a bit like when you go to the beach, you want to see a wave, you need water. That water stands in for the ether, that wave stands in for everything that transmits in our world from energy to light to anything, sound. Um, but, oh, I lost my thread there. The quintessence, the ether. Oh, um, what happened, the reason that we lost it in the modern age, and it was already being defamed, by the way, everyone should know that if there was a man named Newton, um, it was clearly shown that he was an alchemist before all else, um, to put a fine point on it. And in the book Zetetic Astronomy by Samuel Robotham, also known as Parallax, he has two quotes from Galileo, Galilee, oh no, Copernicus and mm -hmm. Newton, both of which said, these theories we've put forward can never be proven to be true. Just to put a fine point, get back to it. As we were coming into the modern era in the early 20th century, two dudes named Mickelson and Morley did some experiments with the ether. Um, and one of them, which really pissed off the power players in this world, was they took a beam of light and they split it. And they shot one beam the way the Earth is about to spin in that model, and the other beam from the same beam of light backwards where the earth had just spun and they proved in a way that could be replicated any day of the week that we're stationary um, wasn't long after that old Einstein came along to dismiss the ether out of hand with no experiment with no explanation simply a dictate from a man who wore the same damn suit for his entire life apparently <laughs> hint hint um, I'm not buying anything. I'd, I wish that S-Frog was in here with us. He's taken <laughs> apart all those old images. But how did, did, I, did I drop anything there, Wayne? 
No, it's a pretty good description. Uh, how I would describe the ether is this is kind of a the substrate that our, our reality is built upon. Uh, this is kind of uh, what could be described as uh, counter space. So we, we, we exist within space. This would be counter space. It's not something that's necessarily measurable by our tools of science or, uh, you know, by any physical means, because this is a non-physical thing. But this is basically the medium in which all things exist and uh, have their being. So that this is what the ether is, and many of the ancient philosophers were very familiar with this idea, as well as uh, a lot of scientists right on up into the modern era. Now, uh, I, I believe, I have good reason to believe, that there are scientists within the uh, special access programs, uh, black budget community that are well aware of ether physics and, and utilize it for different technologies that uh, uh, government contractors and subcontractors have in their possession and utilize. So uh, I, I believe this is still the research on this idea of using uh, ether as, as a mode of energy or as a way to uh, move things around or, or utilize different energies with is something that is being researched and studied and forwarded within the black budget community. But uh, <clears throat> up until uh, the early 1900s, you had a lot of guys that still were hanging on to the whole ether theory until, like you said, Einstein stepped in and kind of dismissed it all out of hand. And the science of the day took on general relativity as the, the popular theory uh, for a, a model of physics for today. And since then, they've had so many inconsistencies and stuff in the general relativity theory that uh, such things as quantum physics sprung up to try to explain <laughs> away what these inconsistencies were. So right. this is kind of what's going on even still today. They come up with all these mathematic formulas, like much of science today is all mathematics. That's big, it. big, they long equations. Mathematic formula, <laughs> right, to justify the model that they believe. So they, they, they make up these uh, different variables and stuff to stick in there to make it work. So it, it's, right. it's one of those things where, you know, math what do you believe that these guys right. put out? Well, I, I, I would... I think it's fair to say you can make mathematical math... formula to explain anything. Right, exactly. You can make Pretty math much. do anything you want. It's it's kind of a magical thing like that. By the way, I want to take a moment to thank John for the two dollars super chat, saying, "Jason, you rock." Thank you, John. That's really cool of you. You you rock too. You've been a big help to the uh, to the work that we do. Thank you very very much, John. By the way, is the amazing gentleman who donated the P one thousand to Rose and I. So, oh wow! All the work right that. That I've been able to do with that so far is due to him. So thank you so much, John. Good to see you here. Glad you're hanging out with us. But uh, go ahead, Crow. You were going to say something? So let me take it back to brass tacks. Words have meaning. And even in this day and age, if you want to use one of our corrupted dictionaries, I should go over there and get my 1940s dictionary and look up quintessence. Mm. What they have now is it's a noun, the pure, highly concentrated essence of a thing. That's not a bad definition the second definition is a noun the purest or most typical instance the third one is a noun in ancient and me medieval philosophy the fifth and highest essence after the four elements of earth air fire and water thought to be the substance of the heavenly bodies and latent in all things and i would point out if there was a man named tesla he was using this and uh I don't think there's much doubt about that. Well, seeing as how he wanted to do wireless transmission of electricity, 
we're a hundred plus years later from the time Tesla was messing around with this stuff, and I don't see that. So perhaps Tesla understood something that uh, we don't, and I would assume that high-end laboratories don't want us to. Right, and and that's something that uh, I think is is one of the main takeaways here is uh, big money interests got a hold of Tesla's ideas and decided to uh, pursue them in secret in ways where they could actually make more money off of them because uh, J.P. Morgan was famously quoted as uh, asking Tesla when he came forward with this idea of free electricity uh, for the people, he said, how do I put a meter on that? So, uh, you know, it, this was all about the business interests at the time. So they kind of uh, stymied a lot of uh, what Tesla was trying to do, uh, first of all, right off of the bat. But uh, going back to the, the idea of uh, quintessence for a moment, there are some more modern uh, physicists and stuff who have actually pursued this idea of ether or quintessence, but they, they by and large don't get a lot of attention. And uh, one popular well, I shouldn't say popular. One one theory that came forward uh, in starting in the 1950s and uh, has gotten a little more attention today is something called extended Heim theory, where he actually refers to quintessence as being uh, an important element within this. So this is basically the, the, the term that he uses to describe ether. So... Uh, when you know they're they're looking at these things and trying to uh, apply scientific terms to it this is the term he came up with with quintessence now whether he was drawing from uh, alchemical knowledge or not like if he has any basis in in metaphysics or anything like that to draw from i'm not sure i don't know enough about the guy uh, to know for certain but uh, this is the term that he actually came up with and it is a perfect descriptor for what the ether is and and how it operates so uh it's, it's just a, a battle of ideologies when it comes down to it. Well, I would add this, Wayne. Here's where I'm at. I think the periodic table that we have is meant to limit us. If we buy into a system like that, which at some point I will rip apart because it's fraudulent, um, and there are other books, there are good books written um, as early as the 40s or 30s, I think, um, the Universal One is one of those books that tells you the nonsensical nature of the periodic table. When you go back away from the physical, I can weigh it, taste it, touch it, sciency force field that gets jammed around everything, and you get back to alchemy, um, it is my understanding that I currently accept. If you philosophically take your elements and you philosophically come at these things and you connect spirituality to it, sky's the limit where you might go and i think that science a lot of what science has become has just been to retard us basically um i, I mean when i was young in school i can still remember being told that within my lifetime physics was going to get this one short simple equation that put it all together where einstein dropped the ball well the exact opposite has happened mm -hmm. we now have a particle zoo where a new particle is invented every time they have a remainder they need to fill. And these equations, there's like, what, 100 people in the world that can deal with this math? That's how ridiculous it is. So how does science, even if you could show it's dem demonstrative of something, how does science at that level help humanity? It helps 100 dudes, basically, Let which me... is well, not different than our computer technology, actually. Right. Let me address a couple of things here. Uh, Someone asked, uh, who was it here? Human Boy asked about uh, wireless phone chargers. Well, I actually have one right here for my iPhone. 
I, I don't know if you could really say it's the same thing. The, the wireless concept that Tesla was going with was transmission through the air, like long distance, and that he would have transmitters set up in different cities, and you would have a little receiver box in your home, and that, was, that would be that. It, you wouldn't need a ton of wires. Like, you wouldn't have needed all of those massive amounts of copper running everywhere and all that. Yeah, but, but Jason, Jason, I, I would say that that I wouldn't dismiss it so readily because what you've got to realize is the moment you removed all wires, the idea of resistance and losing power down a cord as the cord gets longer, when they started charging without all that, somehow they focused it and somehow it's not all, you know, just evaporating into the air. So I think you're talking about the same thing and I think you're probably looking at the first initial steps towards transmitted energy as, you know, Tesla was claimed to have provided. Well, that may be. Yeah, that may be true. So we got a couple super chats here. John, once again, for another $2, thank you. He's asking, where does consciousness fall into this? And that is a very interesting question. I always look at consciousness being tied to your true spirituality, which in the way I theorize these things is that that would exist on a frequency higher than things on the physical plane or whatever you want to call it. But that's the way I view it, that I've seen spiritual stuff actually be real, and I know a lot of people have as well. And I think it, it has to do with frequencies and, th- and things to, of that nature. But and anybody else want to try and address that? I, you know, uh, I think I, that's really the big question. Look, that is the big question. How does consciousness relate to everything? And, and what is consciousness, really? That, that's the big question that no man has ever really been able to answer with any certainty. You know, without ether, they'll never answer it. And I would further say that if you go back to actually real old alchemical documents, real ones um, that were written when people respected nature and would not do science outside the bounds of nature, that's what alchemy was about. Um, What you will find is these men are praying, seriously praying before they do any given alchemical procedure. It's all time to the sky clock. And I'm down to the smallest thing. If you're going to harvest a plant, it gets harvested at the right time. When you do a certain part of a procedure, it occurs at the right time. But what I would point out is when I've been in other places of the world, like the Japanese, the old Shinto ideas, there's a spirit in everything. They even marry rocks and trees because from their point of view, there's a spirit. I respect that point of view. You can come to even the Christian Bible where people will say, well, where is God? And they will tell you God is in everything, everything. See that pebble? God's there. See that tree? God's there. So when you start to think about quintessence, the, the fifth element, alchemy, there's no separating that form of natural science from the spirituality of a human being. And I don't think you get from A to B or the B we want to get to without coupling spirituality back to it and simplifying it back to what's observable and quit making up freaking elements called Californica, Einsteinium, and Berkeley. <laughs> that exists for three nanoseconds. Jay- Not buying. Not buying. Uh, let me take another moment here. JLC, JBRB, thank you for the $10 super chat. And the message is 10 or 10. I'm not sure what that means, except it might be binary. Uh, but thank you very much anyway. If you have a question, by all means, hit us up. You were saying, Wayne? 
Uh, I was just going to say, you know, uh, just to add to what Crow's saying, not only is there uh, Einsteinium and Berkelium and Californicum and all this other stuff, you have all these different particles that uh, they name, like gluons and muons and this and that and the other. (laughs) And P-U-ons. Yeah, (laughs) P-U-ons and, you know, everything else that they can think of. It's it's ridiculous because what they're actually doing is nobody's ever actually observed these things. Nobody can observe a, a muon or a gluon particle. Right. All they're looking at is is numbers coming out of the computer at them, and they're using the, the once again mathematics to put these variables in place to explain, uh, you know, the the model that they want to the model that they want to exist. So they they put in these variables, they make up these new variables and put them in place, and that's what this is. And it's the same thing. Uh, I think. There are flaws with the periodic table. Now, there are some basic elements there that, you know, we could see. But, yeah, I'm with you all day long. I think that there's definitely a lot of – sorry, go ahead. One of the definitions, Wayne, if you look up what it is an element, is that it can't be chemically divided. So on the face of it, things on that chart, um, they can be chemically divided. Um, So it's – it's yeah, Sorry. Am I breaking up for you guys? I keep getting a lag. Mm, No, you've been fine so far. Uh, Chat room, if there's any uh, audio issues, give us a holler, please. But I don't think so. I think we're we're good. I I keep jumping back and forth, and it seems like all of the streams are running well, so woohoo us. Well, I'm trying to time it by looking at the YouTube window, but it's a drag, a lag, so i got to look at the Skype window. I'm trying to make sure Wayne's done. And when it's, I can see him in the Skype window. Well, what you're getting, I haven't timed out how much, but what you're getting, like what I'm seeing on OBS is in the immediate, like I'm watching us in real time or near real time, and then when it kicks over to the live, the restream live dashboard, that's lagged, and then when it kicks out to YouTube and DLive, that's even more lagged. So it's kind of hard to, to keep up in real time here. From you, for By you, way, for you. Well, I, I know what I'd forgotten. You know, if you go to the Book of Genesis and they're describing the creation, um, that's all based on the four alchemical principles of elements. It's all there. Um, the more simplistic, kind of malleable way our natural environment was viewed before everything had to be put on a scale if you can't touch it it doesn't exist if you can't weigh it we're not counting it um although that's a bit ridiculous now because they make up so many particles it's beyond the pale and by the way you go to a place like these part supposed particle accelerators i'm not buying for a second i would not be surprised to find out that they're actively involved with the fifth element the quintessence and if you logically I've got enough of a computer background that I could honestly tell you what they always show you is, oh, these particles are going around. Oh, they just crashed. Look at this spirograph pattern on the computer. Yep, that confirms that these particles crashed. You know what that means? Even if there was any reality uh, reality to it, which, which I can pretty much prove isn't based on the Higgs boson nonsense, but what that means is the only person who could actually truly tell you what was measured was the man who wrote the computer program and connected it to the sensors that made the spirograph pattern. Everyone else is just acting like they know something. Hmm. Science! <laughs> they you with science. But if you go, wait, there, there is a Nova, a clip of no from Nova, that so-compromised TV show, from that so-compromised public broadcasting. Um, 
Jason and I are going to do a thing on this because people still think KPBS is publicly funded. No, I'm sorry. It's CFR mm. funded. Yeah. Um, but to get back to the Absolutely. point, when they announced the Higgs boson was real, I have never seen a worse piece of theater in my life. As a matter of fact, it came down to the announcer, who was not a physicist, saying to the audience, what do you think, guys, if we found the Higgs? And everyone claps, and he goes, there it is. We've discovered the of Higgs. Course it's, of course and, they know, Crow. The machine went, ping. Yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> was even there worse it is. Mr. Mr. Higgs boson himself was in the audience, and the guy says, but Mr. Higgs can't come up and talk to Dan. You look at this dude. He looks like a freaking deer caught in the headlights. <laughs> but in that whole show, one dude, one dude in that whole show tells the truth. They're all getting all these physicists up to this board, and they're all, where are they going to find the Higgs? Oh, right here in this area. Oh, no, right here. It's going to be in this range. No, that range. And this one guy walks up, and he says, they're never going to find it because it doesn't exist. <laughs> it's all a bit fuzzy. We have two more super chats. John, thank you again for $2. He's asking, is ignorance really bliss? That that always makes me think of the line from uh, The Matrix. I personally don't think so. I like the concept of expanding one's consciousness through knowledge. I think knowledge is power, but that, I, I always boil things down to the, as simple as I can, and that's the way I view it. But uh, what do you gentlemen think? Ignorance is bliss until you need to do surgery. <laughs> Wayne, what do you think? Uh, I would say no, absolutely not. Ignorance is not bliss. Uh, it would be the exact opposite of bliss, honestly. And it, it's one thing to walk through existence with blinders on, but uh, it, it really doesn't buy happiness when it comes down to it. You, you don't find fulfillment by being ignorant. That, that's that's one thing that that's really missing. Yeah, and they, they, that is a popular phrase, ignorance is bliss. And it seems like a lot of people who really have no interest in learning new things or, or looking into the mysteries of the universe or anything of the sort, they, they seem happy enough on the surface. But uh, just look at our society today. One in five has some sort of mental illness. One in five. Those, those numbers are staggering. So when you look at that, is ignorance really bliss? I don't think so. Hmm. I would rather have a curious mind and and go searching for something something more than myself you know what i mean rather than just walk around in a fog and and you know well uh, and be in ignorance like that let's keep in mind that the less you know the more <laughs> other people can fool you because they know something you don't uh we have True. mountain smithy for five dollars thank you so much and mountain smithy always sends in these quotes from places i i don't know uh where they come from but i have no problem reading them this week, Manny is the Icelandic personification of the moon. To manifest is to prove or show plainly to record in a ship's manifest. And that is quoted from Blackest of All Magic. You know, I really should start writing these down so I can look up these things you're, uh, you're sending us every week. Mountain Smithy, why don't you send me an email at secretsofsaturn at gmail.com so I can have a better understanding of what you're always sharing with us here. And yes, yeah, we do have the machine that goes ping. <laughs> alright Wayne it's, it's back to you where do you want to take this alright well uh, let's look at uh, we wanted to do a show on uh, UFOs and Tesla technology here so uh, we were discussing uh, wireless electricity and you know uh, what you were saying before about these, these little wire, wireless charging devices and stuff yes this is directly uh, lifted from Tesla technology this is uh, 
kind of a very primitive form of what he was working on, and he actually was able to make it work. Uh, he built a uh, a transmitter out in, uh, I believe it was in Colorado, out in Colorado Springs, and he was able to wirelessly uh, transmit electricity. Uh, I think it was about 100 miles or better. Uh, so he hmm. actually was able to test it out and, and made it work. So, I mean, this is something that's still feasible today. It could be done. It's just a matter of uh, nobody's really gone with it. So uh, it's just one of those things where, uh, you know, the powers that be, the people with the, the purse strings, they they never really fully funded this because, let's face it, they, they really didn't want something like that to come about because then it could get to the point where it was out of their control. But can you imagine where we would be if everybody had access to wireless energy today? Things would be so much different than what they are. But, uh, you know, instead we're tied to a, a, a power grid and we have all these wires and everything else uh, going into our homes for electricity when it could be so much simpler than that. Uh, there could be so many potential uses for this. And uh, also, you just look at uh, it's it's the same function, uh, well, same basic premise for how our cell phones work. It's the same thing. It's transmitting. It's just not transmitting usable electricity in a sense. But uh, that technology will be coming, I mean, down the pike, because it's, it's only so long they can hold this stuff back before people are really yearning for it. And, and that will be coming. I guarantee you that. But uh, I wanted to discuss some of these technologies in regards to UFOs and, and things like that, because uh, the UFO topic seems to be picking up a little more steam lately. So uh, we could take a look at uh, how some of these uh, UFO craft operate, and uh, we could talk about uh, what we think their origins are. you have anything to chime in about what the origins of, of UFO craft might be? We did a show on this together, in fact. I remember because... Uh... Rose and my daughter and I were visiting Oops. her family out in California at the time, and we discussed a lot of these points and where it all came from. And <laughs> somebody said, you guys should take phone calls. A haunted house said we should take phone calls. I don't know how we'd set that up. I'm sure there's a way to do it. I'd have no problem with that. Um, but, yeah, we did a show on that, and it was, a, it was quite interesting. A lot of this stuff, I, I really think it does come down to experimental craft. But uh, I know this is one of Crow's favorite things to, to discuss, so go ahead, man. Oh, did we lose him? Uh, I don't know. Where'd, where'd the bird guy go? We're missing the bird guy. He's still showing on here. Maybe his... Uh... I don't know. Something happened. Oh, he said be right back. Maybe I, we didn't... I didn't see oh. the chat that he sent us. <laughs> never mind. Never mind. It's so hard to keep up with all these different windows. All right. We'll, we'll continue yeah, on. Bird. So anyway, Wayne... Well, we'll continue on. Right. Uh, anyway, we can... <laughs> We could look and see. A lot of people seem to think that there's some kind of a uh, a back engineering program that's uh, uh, doing back engineering on alien technologies, and uh, mm. I'm I, I'm here to say I I don't buy that so much. Mm, uh, I think we don't give human beings enough credit for their ingenuity. <laughs> so uh, we could trace back the the lineage of a lot of where these things came from right back to Tesla and, you know, several uh, individuals back in, in that era and just after that that said era. So uh, when you, you look back, you can trace back a lot of these ideas, these electrogravitic ideas, mm -hmm. back to uh, scientists such as Tesla himself was said to have uh, 
you know, been able to develop something along these lines. And then uh, further on down the line, uh, one important figure that came up in my research a lot into this is a gentleman named T. Townsend Brown. And uh, he discovered something in the 1920s called the Byfield-Brown effect. And uh, what this is, is this basically uh, allows motion through the use of electrical currents, uh, and it creates kind of an anti-gravitic field of sorts, uh, for lack of better terminology, to describe it. So uh, this this is kind of what he had worked on, and, and up into the 1950s, he worked for the Naval Department and, you know, several other uh, uh, government-funded contractors and such, and was developing programs with this. And he came out in the 1950s with something called Project Winter Haven. And this was a proposal that was sent to the Naval Department, which they supposedly had uh, turned down the the uh, offer for him to develop this technology. And uh, at that time, all of this stuff, which was pretty public in the 1950s about electrogravitics, suddenly went black. It all disappeared out of major media outlets and stuff like that and nobody's really heard much about this uh, line of technologies since then so this i think is the real origins of where a lot of these ufo craft come from and i it's not to say that you know aliens don't exist maybe they do i don't know but i don't think they're described properly uh they're misdescribed just like everything else that uh, we're told so uh you know, when you look at this stuff, is it really an alien intelligence? Does it really take an alien intelligence to think of these ideas? I don't think it does. So, you know, when you look at it, uh, when you trace it back to Tesla, who came up with a lot of these different ideas, and then, you know, you play it forward to these different scientists uh, coming in the future who uh, took some of these ideas and made other discoveries with them, then you can see there's a, a clear delineation of how a lot of this stuff came to be. But uh, a lot of this is tied up in uh, programs that most people have never even heard of. Uh, so, I mean, there's, there's a bunch of these different programs and stuff that have happened and have been funded and done. But most people have never taken the time to really look back at them and see what they are. Because it's just easier to say aliens. So, that's, that's, you know. <laughs> That seems to be the, the popular thing. Hey, look, there's a flying saucer craft in the sky. It's aliens. And and that's, you know, you might as well say unicorns, okay? So, <laughs> hey, look, a unicorn. So it's the same kind of thing. I mean, you can't jump to that kind of a conclusion because you see something that, uh, you know, doesn't really agree with what your experience has been with what the state of technology is because... They're working with technologies in the black budgets programs and stuff that are beyond things we could imagine right now. So it's, you know, one of those things where you could show through time that they have been bare minimum 30 to 50 years ahead in the, uh, the military industrial complex programs than what are presented to the public with these things, especially when it comes to like aircraft, spacecraft type technologies, things like that, advanced propulsion systems. They're keeping this stuff hush-hush because uh, they don't want the general public to get a hold of this because a lot of times the implication is free energy devices, and that is something that they need to There's keep the a big tight win. grip on. There's the big and, one, and, 
and alternate science, but I would modify a couple things there. Everything you've ever heard about so-called aliens is nonsense. It's provable nonsense. We can show you where it starts. We can show you all the typical encoding that comes with it. We can show the CIA's involvement. We can show even from the earliest things, the military is right there. Uh, it would not surprise me uh, if part of the reason the alien idea, like Hollywood has put it in our heads, came to be was to hide um, certain technologies they were worried people might see. So if anyone saw anything they weren't familiar with, they'd yell alien. But what's more, I suspect that if we get to anti-grav or gravitics, electrogravitics, and all the things Wayne was talking about, uh, you're going to be probably dealing with people who went back to the old alchemical ideas, the philosophical elements and the quintessence, um, the ether. And that alone tells you something. If that's correct assumption... Um, then that's technology that could never come out into the public because then people would start moving away from science when they realized, hey, man, this is not a battery. This is not, you know, that's where I'm coming from. But the whole alien UFO thing, I can show you where it started in Hollywood. Uh, and I can show you where it started in media. I can show you it was all off the 33rd parallel where it got started. Um, there's no portion of it that we can't demonstrate was put in your head through newspaper, media, the military, and Hollywood, basically. And that does not discount the idea of other things a, com a human being could communicate with. And by the way, religions around the world are full of people in meditation learning from a higher intelligence of some sort. Um, but it's not gray aliens that want to rectally probe you. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> let's just slip that right on in there. Um, let's take a moment and go over that because that's another one that uh, the three of us have done before. We've got, oh, I don't know, Crow, two or three episodes on UFOs slash aliens, and, and we've done this. And we even showed, like, where the reptilian thing came from and the little gray guys. Like, we've done this. There are, there are episodes of Crow Triple Seven Radio where we broke all of this down in detail. But if you want to take a moment to go that, uh, go at that, Crow, go right ahead. Well, um, I don't know if, you know, there's good roses here. Um, Rose will give you the episodes. We broke it down. Um, to me, these are not arguable things if you want to use common sense as your basis. Common sense dictates that we can't just claim a thing exists because it's an idea. Uh, if you have no experience to let you know it's possible, if you can't see it, if you can't get proof of it in some way that matters, and by the way, 20th Century Fox's latest film does not count as evidence um you know it, it doesn't exist that's just common sense right there but uh rose put up episode 54 the whole alien thing what was it jason it was lifted from uh, conan the barbarian conan the barbarian and, was the reptilian and then yeah. yeah people got upset because it's either the uh the emerald tablets or the the caballion um, which I've read both a number of times, uh, the idea that alien uh, reptilian entities somehow snuck through there, um, they started bringing that up. Uh, and I'm not going to touch that because that starts to get into people's spiritual um, beliefs. And I'm smart enough to understand that in most spiritual traditions, any word that matters that you read has levels of meaning. And quite often it's allegory. And quite often, unless you're initiated, you ain't never going to know like the book of of uh, Hebrews in the Bible. If you're not initiated, that will mean exactly nothing to you um, because it was written by initiated people above the royal arch. Uh, but yeah, but that, there was more than just 54. Rose put up 54. Rose, isn't there 
I thought we did more though. No, we did. We not. did. We did a I UFO thought... one that we got into aliens with Wayne last. Um, when was that? September. Last September, I think that was September 2017. 18. And by the excuse way, me, 2018. Any, any as a rule of thumb at this point in the world, there are so few corporations that we can prove outright. And these are trilateral CFR-funded corporations, by the way. Um, they own the media. So whenever you see Hollywood putting money into ideas, the primary concern, as you can demonstrate now, is not to make beautiful art, like, say, Lawrence of Arabia, is not to entertain you. The primary concern is to program you. Then everything else comes behind it. Yeah, maybe we'll entertain them on the way, or maybe, you know, all these other ideas. But primarily now... What these forms of what we call entertainment do is they program you. I cannot turn on a show on television where I can't quickly count five, six, seven, eight ongoing programming scenarios that have been initiated. Right now, gender confusion is big. The fear porn has been at fever pitch for some time. I can go right down the line, and I'm here to tell you uh, what we call entertainment, whether it's television or anything else these days, the primary concern is programming. And what people don't understand is that there's these dudes, and I'm not even kidding, from Tavistock, who sit there pre-production to make sure the nonsense makes it in, which implies sometimes the directors don't even really truly understand what's going on. I think that's very unlikely in most cases, but those little snotty-nosed 30-year-old writers, Hollywood, you know, cool guy writers, they don't have a clue, the majority of them. There are some that have recurred over and over and over. They're usually Jewish. They're usually smarter than everyone else in the room. My point is Tavistock has people wherever media is going out to insert the programming to the point where when you watch something as simple as ridiculousness, what you're looking at was pseudoscience pioneered by Tavistock. It's called trauma-based programming where they figure it out. They do the same thing every day when you try to get your weather off the news and they inform you a lady got stabbed, a house burned down, and a car rolled over somebody. The way these stories are designed is to inflict trauma-based programming on you because subconsciously you suffer a level of trauma that's not measurable. Tavistock pioneered that based on the work of Carl Jung, by the way. So, you know, this is the problem we have when Jason and I do all these shows, Wayne and I do all these shows, is people have not committed to the idea that, you know, all this cool stuff we get to watch like Marvel, it's not primarily there for entertainment. It just isn't. <laughs> that's, uh, that's right. Um, can someone post the link for the D Live to Green Queen? I can't go jumping around copying stuff or it's going to screw up my screens. But um, Rose put it in a little while ago. Yeah, yeah. If someone can just copy and paste that in the chat room for me for Green Queen, that would be great. Thank you, folks. Uh, we're getting close to the end of hour one, which is uh, when we say goodbye to the uh, to the Fringe FM. So uh, let's see if we can get some more info out real quick. Uh, Cosmos of Compassion is asking, do we believe, feel, think that we can escape the reincarnation soul trap at death? How does one escape this matrix at death? That's something you and I had a pretty heavy conversation about not too long ago, Crow. Yeah, there's not been a culture or spiritual tradition that I'm aware that matters that that isn't what it was initially about. Um, was getting out of this place. You know, it's like in some of the Buddhist traditions, you know what they call this world? They call it samsara. Um, it's got many meanings, but you could maybe translate it as wandering. You're wandering here. You know, you asked about ignorance and bliss. That's the difference 
between ignorance. Ignorance is like a deer in the woods where you just react to things because you don't know anything. So you don't really think, you just react. And a lot of people in this world react. That's what they do every day. They react, they react. Um, there is a path out of here. I would bet everything I've got on it. And there's not very many, many things I would bet everything on. I would go back to the concept of frequency again. If you can raise yourself up high enough that you can deal with these things differently upon shred, uh, shredding off your mortal coil, I, I would think. But, uh, when, what do you think? Uh, I think, uh, there's an interesting crossover here to, uh, this and the things we're talking about when you're talking about, uh, the whole alien narrative, uh, that comes about, uh, John Lear used to talk about this years ago. Now he claimed that, uh, the gray aliens had some kind of a, a tower structure on the backside of the moon. And this was actually a soul recycling center where people's spirits went when they died and got placed back into this uh, this earth again so uh, you know it's that's an interesting crossover link you can see how uh, some of these ideas that come back from ancient metaphysics and and you know these ancient religious ideas kind of uh, get pulled forward and thrown into the whole science fiction alien narrative here so this is something that uh, should be telling. I mean, there, there could be something to this. Now, does the moon play a role in, you know, the souls of people after their death? I don't know for sure, but I mean, you could definitely see there, there might be something to this idea. And uh, as far as getting out of here, I would say, yeah, there, there definitely has to be a way. And this has always been uh, one of the main reasons for our being here in my estimation is you know this this is a test this life is a test and uh we're put here to do the right things and make the right decisions so that we can ascend to the next level and go on to the next place so uh that's that's what my estimation is of it but it, i just thought it was interesting to mention that that this kind of crosses over into this whole alien narrative once again in you know that respect I'm, I'm glad you brought up the moon in that way. Um, I've been doing research for, I don't know, months now. Jason and I are going to end up doing one on the 60s again um, because there's a lot of things we can demonstrate, almost certainly. But part of what will probably come into that is the idea of the rain man. Um, and it's basically an encode for the idea of a devil, um, but it's directly relatable to the moon. Um, so much of what we see is directly relatable to the moon, the idea um, of the soul trap and these other things. And what initially got me going on this is when I began to realize these eclipses are not described properly. And so one of the first things you do is you start looking at the descriptions. Well, how many people out there understand that when you see the supposed shadow from a lunar eclipse, it's described as an umbra and a pen umbra? Um, these words are loaded words. They've got a lot of meaning in them. And the umbra idea relates directly to the umbrella. And the umbrella has been used as a secret sign in so much media for so long, I can't tell you. But think of what an umbrella does. Um, it blocks you from the rain. It puts you under a shadow. There's your umbra idea. It's almost always associated with power. Um, but not only that, in popular culture, the Rain Man thing came up way more times than I was expecting to find. I mean, it's, it's almost insane. Um, and this all relates back to the moon. So I think absolutely the moon plays a role here in, in what's going to happen. And I'll tell you another thing. The mind warp uh, from film, which is what film does for us these days, 
maybe not always to the same level it does now, but they, they put confusion in you. And it's not just confusion for the sake of confusion. It's well-designed mind games from places like Tavistock, where they've used Jung and Freud and other people to prove what they're doing works. Um, there used to be this idea in film, oh, this guy died. Yeah, when you die, go into the light, man, go into the light. You'll see everyone you love. And then not too long after that, it was, no, man, don't go into the damn light. Whatever you do, don't go into the light. Um, and you've seen versions of both of these sides the whole way. But at the end of the day, there used to be such a common tool symbolic tool used in film where a person would die there would be a quick shot to the moon and a baby would be born it's done in all these esoteric ways sometimes in your face sometimes hidden but it goes to show you and i have a feeling this relates to the population of life on this world and i now doubt outright that somehow population of human beings could become a problem or deer or rabbits or anything this place is perfect, this creation from our point of view, so could it be called perfect if too many people could come here and destroy the whole place? Um, I'm, I'm not buying these things, but anyhow. Now, now addressing this whole, oh, by the way, I think we're, we're off the fringe right now. It's 9 o'clock, so uh, take care, everybody, over there, and let's move on into our second hour. But as far as do you go into the light or the darkness, I actually had an out-of-body experience, and I know I've told this story before. I didn't see any light. I was just out of my body away uh i don't know how what the distance was but i was across the parking lot from where the 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 incident was going on with a car and i didn't see any light i didn't sense any other beings i was just consciousness coexisting at the same time as my physical body i actually have a it's very odd to explain but i have a i have a set of dual memories uh, it's almost like I was in linear time and then in nonlinear time, which kind of goes right along with my theory, uh, which is one of the things that helped me make it, in fact, that our consciousness and, and spirituality and spiritual beings and ghosties and all, whatever you want to call them, exist on a wavelength higher than light because they, that would put them outside the physical realm. But I didn't see any light, and uh, I had my head cracked open, and they thought I was dead, the people who I was with, when, when my body hit the ground and all that. So I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I, I certainly... Won't know until I, I get there. <laughs> I, I can give you first-hand accounts that I've read. And, uh, you know, I mentioned Samsara earlier. Um, I consider the old cultures that are mostly not with us anymore that were big into meditation, where you could go across cultures and find people saying the same thing from cultures who should not have had any contact and claim they didn't have contact, but independently found the same things. There's an idea of a thing called the Bardo. Well, that's the most the most modern version of it um, before they knocked before China knocked over Tibet. Um, but that came back to India. But the last version is called the Bardo, where you go when you're dead, and you're getting ready to be recycled back according to that tradition. But there's all these opportunities to escape what they call samsara here, this place of suffering. Um, but most people are not, as Jason would say, at a high enough awareness, so they miss what they call the clear light. It happens so quickly if you're kind of a dullard. Um, if you're more tuned in and higher up the ladder, the clear light could last longer. And I'm just telling you the description that came across many meditators who claimed that they could go to what happens to people in death in meditation after a life of learning how to do it. But they always describe two lights. One is piercing and will scare the hell out of you, and you'll flee from it. 
and the other is dull and inviting. And if you go into the dull and inviting one, you're coming back here. You're getting put in the recycle machine and you're coming back. If you go into the piercing one, uh, you escape. Almost sounds like the sun and the moon idea to me. But what always bothered me about it was the lights always had color and they could never quite be sure of what the color was leaving me to say well what the hell did people actually do this because you know it's not hard to differentiate blue from red you know yellow from pink uh, that's the only thing that bothered me and then i then i began to think maybe you've got to be initiate or something to get the full the full scoop but there's another version of the lights in a very old tradition that was at least a third of the world at times uh, by the way, uh, Eric, who did our artwork for for uh, Shoot the Moon, is in the chat room and wants to uh, have a chat with us. So let's hit him up after uh, after we get done. And have oh, a... Eric! Yeah, Eric, yeah. I, took, I, I had to get over to my other room. Hey, Eric, how are you? Eric did artwork for us. Kick butt artwork. Mm-hmm. I uh, admire art. I don't know if he's ever seen the giant posters I had made. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jason sent me a giant poster that Eric designed um, based on the kind of look and feel of the art that I do, but better. <laughs> uh, he looks like he designed a logo for Secrets of Saturn as well. I'd love to see that. So, yeah, let's make sure we get in touch with them. Thanks, Eric. Uh, you do great work, man, really. And he does. He does. Talented. I, I, I'm Very tempted talented. to go into my closet and pull out. Oh, I actually, I don't have one in a frame yet. So actually, I can't do that. Never mind. I'll get around to that though. I'll show you guys. I had I had full movie poster size uh, posters printed up with uh, the main image that Eric made for us. That's the the one that's on all of the Shoot the Moon stuff. But I had that done up. That's that's just awesome. I I, I love I love the work he did. But anyway, uh, thanks, Eric. We'll definitely be in touch. So Wayne, uh, where would you like to go from here? Uh, I think that's, uh, you know, a really interesting uh, turn on the conversation right there that we just had. So uh, it, it's it's definitely one of those things where uh, when it all comes down to it, what we want to know is what exactly is consciousness and uh, exactly. where do we go? Where do we go from this place and how does consciousness tie to all this stuff? And I would say that, uh, you know, our consciousness directly stems from and into the ether and i think this is an important aspect that's missing from our modern science and i think tesla had somewhat of a grasp of this idea as well as some other of these uh, scientists that came up through the years but uh, basically what our culture has done is they've kind of steered us into this hyper materialist mentality whereas we're just looking at physical things and we're not taking into consideration any of these spiritual type ideas or spiritual type energies so uh, when you're not accounting for a major portion of our existence uh, that's very binding and limiting so I agree with Crow that our science is largely designed at this point to limit us and bind retard us, us. Yeah. right retard, retard us. us so and that's that's basically a conclusion I came to on my own uh, prior to meeting Crow. But, uh, you know, once we uh, kind of all got on the same page here, working at these things and looking at these things, I'll tell you, my level of understanding has really jumped within the past year or two, uh, just working with you guys with a lot of this stuff. So yeah, uh, chemical been, change in the brain, man, it happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's really been kind of 
it's really been kind of eye-opening for me uh this this whole thing and it's it's just astounding uh, i got so many things on my plate right now that uh i'm looking at and working at and trying to tear apart and uh turn into something intelligible to relate to people so that they could have a better understanding too so uh this and this is one of those subjects that's always been near and dear to my heart i've always been interested in ufos in fact uh that's one of the things that really sent me on this path is i had a ufo experience back in 2006 where uh you know i i kind of began to question what exactly is that so i went down all the the usual ufology rabbit holes and stuff like that and followed all those different trails to uh their conclusion where they drew back to ancient alchemical ideas and uh, they drew a lot of uh, their uh, aspects and stuff of them from older ideas, more spiritual ideas. So once I realized that's what was going on with this, uh, I had to look at it from a different point of view. And uh, once I tried following the, uh, the whole alien rabbit hole trail down to where it comes from, there wasn't anything there. Like when it comes down to it, there's there's really no provable evidence that uh, any physical aliens have ever been here or have are are coming here or that kind of thing. There's nothing you could prove with that. Now, are there spiritual beings, perhaps, that uh, kind of blink in and out of our reality? I think that's a real possibility. But uh, as far as physical extraterrestrials from other planets. I don't know. That's that's one of those things where I have my doubts about that. Uh, as far you know, as I was going to add, Wayne, you know, you and I, we we were showing. You can actually show the first time words were used. That was Kenneth Arnold. He was a CIA operative. Mm -hmm. He was connected to the CIA. What more do people need to know? But the consciousness thing, I wanted to add this, Wayne. You can kind of reverse engineer some things that are not easily, you know, that you can't easily work out. And I would submit that what we see with all the fear porn and the 9-11s and the false everything is they're hacking consciousness. So what is that? Well, what they're doing is each of us has free will, so they're hacking into each of us. Like I just noticed someone commented that this world is a hellhole. Well, where does that perception come from? Is that your perception, or is that how you feel because of all the hardship that's been placed in front of us recently? You see what I'm saying? Because if it's the latter, that's a hack. And so what happens is then we all begin to add this control that's been exerted on us through ideas and imagery and symbols into the whole. The idea of the Kashuk record. And actually, I'm to the point now where um, I am convinced that nothing that ever happens is lost. I think it's, it's never, I don't think anything is lost that we do, and I'll add another thing. The idea of righteousness or doing what is correct, I think that may be the most important thing a human being can do um, above all other things if you want to get out of this place. John, thank you for the $20 super chat, and he says, I'm sorry I missed uh, Shoot the Moon. Uh, NYC. We'll be doing more of those events, so you'll have plenty of opportunities. But thanks again, John. That's really cool of you. Nice. And I agree with you 100%, Crow. I think, you know, doing what's righteous and, and what's right uh, is, is probably the biggest thing we could do in this time that we're here. In fact, uh, with a private conversation I had uh, just last week uh, with Jason and Rose, I had said something similar to Rose. I said, I live my wife by by one basic credo. If you know it's the right thing to do, do it. 
and that's how I live my life. That's an easy one. So uh, <laughs> it is. It's actually not though to do all the time because of the the age of materiality. Though you know, it's right. it's easy to understand. It's easy to say you're going to do, but to do it all the time. It's like everything else. It's got to become a habit. You know, we're, we're creatures of habit, and that's part of the mind hack. If they can get us habitually ordering food instead of cooking, then that's a hack. What's Grubhub about? What's all this I'll deliver everything to your home about? Um, you know, movies. Think of movies. You know, how many people go out to see movies or stream them in their home uh, a few times? That's a mind hack. These are things that you would not have done independently on your own that you are doing because someone else is making it possible and pushing the idea. Um, but, you know, you go back to all these old cultures. Look, think of the idea that I've been bringing this up a lot, lady, the idea of the Vestal Virgins. Um, that's real to me, whether or not Rome existed in the way we're told it did, which I don't really accept that it did. The point is the idea of these young women who are pure of heart, and disconnected from the worldly nature of the way the rest of us are living, that does make them unique. And if they couple with that a righteous lifestyle, I think it's a powerful thing. And if we look at the idea of Rain Man or the devil or, you know, people who want to do what are they always doing? They're trying to tempt you into doing something you shouldn't do, right? And I think all these things demonstrate uh, that we all add to the consciousness and that there are very few of us right now who are very high up the ladder and doing what's right all the time. I also find that very interesting, Crowley. You have mentioned uh, the Rain Man concept. Uh, I find that utterly fascinating because that's also directly tied to autism now, and that's uh, another avenue of thought that I haven't explored yet. But uh, oh, really? Now I'm, now I'm now I'm going to look heavily into it. I, well, I we got to really put the dots together with what the whole Rain Man thing meant. I just. I we just thought it was just the name of the movie. Yeah, well, no, we're definitely yeah, well, going to have to explore that. First. Yeah, think about what goes on in the movie, though. But now we'll talk offline. I can I can rattle off probably fifteen artists who have done the Rain Man thing in their song recently, and I can tie it to the umbrella, and I can tie it I, I can tie it to quite a bit to include the moon. And you already know the Rain Man. You know. Uh, the movie there's a mentally challenged person there i don't know if it's autism or retardation or what it's supposed to be but that's all the way back in the 80s isn't it that yeah. wasn't yeah that, was, that movie yeah, was like 86 or somewhere around there talk uh, about a tee up <laughs> uh oh two minutes to wapner um kt cleans a lot kt cleans a lot says i don't understand the term all roads lead to rome what the hell is that supposed to actually mean well just that you have to understand it don't look at it so much as rome but uh more in the more current sense of the vatican and the control mechanism that's there everything we have in the modern age that we can still see that's the termination point that's as far back as you can go they'll tell you about a place called greece but you'll just hear tales and myths about that place um the, the real history before supposed rome doesn't exist and everything from our law I mean, is there anything that we've covered, Jason, that we couldn't draw a line back to the Vatican? All banking, all law, all yep. births, all straw men, all, I mean, basically, the things that make people wish they weren't living in this world right now, there it is, man. The Holy well, Mother Church. I'll do Church. you one better. Yeah. I'll do you one better. The, the, technocratic, the technocratic control grid that's coming. That's going to be in my new book. That ties back to the Vatican, too. Well, I like that. Let's, let's have a little precursor. Let's hear it, Wayne. It's good stuff. Uh, I know I, it is. 
I, I don't want to reveal too much just yet. I mean, I, I still, uh, I'm still working on it. Uh, I found a lot of interesting things that tie back to uh, uh, the whole Roman kind of idea, the Holy Roman Empire, uh, the Vatican, and how it all uh, kind of pulls forward today into uh, the coming control grid that's that's being set up around us right now. So uh, the Vatican does have its hand in a lot of this stuff, or you know, the, what do you want to call the Holy Roman Empire? It, it's kind of pulled forward into the modern age today. So all roads do lead to Rome, and you know, there's no denying that. No, so there's real, it's, there's it's really just one not. of those things. Everything in our modern world is based upon Roman concepts or or uh, Roman concepts Absolutely. that imported older Greek concepts. Yep. So when you you look at that, it, it's very foundational. So that's that's what all roads lead to Rome means. Uh, because and, and when it comes down to it, uh, the Vatican is just the the rollover of the Holy Roman Empire yep. into a different. Uh, a different, uh, what would you call it? Uh, it's a new face for the same thing. Yeah, it's what much. I always say, Wayne. The Roman blah 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 blah. The Roman Empire did yeah. not fall; it became the Vatican, and really, just the pa- the power didn't go anywhere. It stayed right there. Uh, what do we always right. say, Crow? Too about the doors oh. that that got put on the um, the Senate the, doors from ancient Rome, right, right, or right, the right. doors put on Saint John's Basilica, Basilica yep. the first Basilica of Rome. But I'm not even convinced. That ancient Rome, that we see all the the costumes and the and all the culture. I'm not sure that that's an accurate description. How do we know that it wasn't just a form of the Vatican before that? Because there is no separating one from the other. There just really isn't. And by the way, um, to get back to the idea of doing what is correct, anyone interested can look up a very ancient idea. It's a word called bodhicitta. Um, look up the word bodhicitta and look up some of the people who supposedly achieved bodhicitta. The idea is that like a constant rainbow of goodness flowed out of these human beings into the world because that was the level they'd reached. Um, And it's not just from one culture. This went thousands of years seemingly, and it was every place that any Eastern tradition was had a version of the idea of bodhicitta. Well, we could also take the, a moment to mention the uh, the three city-states that exist in the world, and that's a concept. We did a whole show on that uh, quite a while back, but it is what it is, man. Like, these are things you can look up. This is, again, not conspiracy theory crap. This is reality. Washington, D.C. You know what's I... What's up? Oh, sorry. We're, we're lagging out, Jason. Go ahead. Washington, D.C., the, the city of London, not London City, but the city of London, if people aren't aware, and Vatican City. They are all cities that are actually city states they exist inside another country that are all independent and the general notion is the vatican runs the spiritual aspects of the world the city of london runs the banking aspects of the world and washington dc runs the military aspect of the world and if you take a moment to think about it that sounds about right and john thank you for the two dollars again saying i have nice hair you're very kind i'm actually using a new treatment that uh, if you'd like to know more about ask rose to explain it to you from her her best friend kelsey in hawaii um about a week into it and it seems to be doing really good things but uh go ahead crow it's all you well i was going to point out there's a real irony with the vatican right now because they're actively actively involved in trying to shrink what we call christianity um here in the state of rhode island which is probably one of the biggest catholic states left in this country where you have these grand stone churches that feel like they're from another time because of the level of 
craftsmanship and masonry that went into these buildings. Matter of fact, they can't even find people to repair them, but they're closing them one after the other here. Right now, and I've been look, I've had my eye on this for a while. Right now, the Vatican is actively engaged in trying to shrink Christianity throughout the the history of that poisonous tree we call the Vatican that produces only poison fruit. Um, they did everything they could to grow and anytime that came under attack they went into full war mode to ensure that they were going to grow come hook or crook and it didn't matter if they needed to send soldiers in with bayonets they were going to get their people to learn latin to get a priest to do the catholic thing right now they're just selling off these old churches all over here and there's an endless litany of things matter of fact there's a show on hbo making a mockery um out of the pope right now so right now, that old center of supposed religion for the Western world is actively pushing for the demise of religion, and the reason for it is uh, transhumanism and the coming artificial reality can't be bogged down by any religious people. Right, and that all has to do with an idea called ecumenicalism as well. So they want to con uh, conjoin all of these different religious ideals throughout the world into one and merge it into the new transhumanist religion. So right. that's basically what it's all about and what it comes down to in a nutshell. There's and your you rain, see, man. Okay, <laughs> there you go. Well, that's, that's a perfect description there. But when you look at it, uh, these three big cities, the Vatican City, uh, City of London, and Washington, D.C., this is basically your holy trinity of the cyberneticists when it comes down to it. This is what they're looking for. This is uh, the uh, holy trinity of the cybernetic control system when it, it, it boils down to it. Because these are the, the three cities that they're using as control centers. So this is their holy trinity. And you can see how this, this stuff will relate one-to-one -one with different religious ideals all day long as well. So, I mean, you're talking there's a, this crossover that I've found uh, while researching my, my new book where you're looking at a couple, four basic different things, four basic different principles that you have to look at to kind of understand this control system that's coming into place. First of all, you have to look at religions. Secondly, myths. Uh, thirdly, science or what they they call science and uh, finally when it comes down to it philosophy so when you have an understanding of these four different levels uh, or four different elements of these facets of the control system they're setting up this is what we're talking about here this is what's coming to fruition this is the whole goal of transhumanism so uh, these are the four facets of things that they're they're using to put this whole control structure in place it's not just simply something technological or technocratic they're using different alchemical ideas and stuff as well to bring these things to fruition and that's kind of something that is lost on most people the whole spiritual that, under, yeah, underpinnings on of purpose right on right. purpose it's all done alchemically because it works and that's how also we know alchemy matters but wayne i was going to bounce this one off you the whole Rain Man, uh, Rain when used as a name usually means power and blessings from above. And it's not hard to put together that meaning. Think of all the places that wait for their annual rain so they can grow crops. It truly was a blessing from above. But I was just going to point out, who controls the rain now? Who's the Rain Man now? Mm. That's uh, the truth. This, this is going to be a thing when we do the 60s uh, episode. Uh, it's going to be quite a barn burner. Um, because I can demonstrate when the United States was demoted openly for the first time 
that put us on the path that where we are now. And, you know, it's kind of sad when I see in so many comments where, yeah, I want to get out of this hell. This place is beautiful, this natural world. What makes it so hard is what corporations and power players and men and women put put us through that's what makes it hard if every human being treated other human beings and living things with respect you would see the beauty in this place all day long but unfortunately the tax man the cop all the things that have just gotten so far out of hand that make it a nightmare um to to do anything on top of giving up a third of your life to go make paper so that you can have a place to live and eat um it's all gotten to be a bit much but it wasn't always like this and like all created things, even this nonsense will see its end at some point. By the way, I meant to get in there. Uh, Eric in the chat room said that Singapore is also a city-state, and that's what—that's one I'm not familiar with. So we'll have to look into that. I was not aware of that at all. Um, no, but, but if sense. there are others, because if that's—if that's China's city-state, it makes perfect sense. I would ask Eric. Eric, do you know when it became a city-state? Is this recent? It must be recent. Um, we'll have to look into that because China is going to be a player now because they're completely co-opted and controlled. Remember when Japan went marching in there? You know, it's a whole story over there, too. Think about this. In the 1920s, we were fast-tracking Japan, America and France and other people to get what the high technology of the time was. And the reason they did it is because they needed to build a war machine in the 20s to be ready for the 40s. Um, this was the power players of the world. So what I'm pointing out here is what they've done to the United States is they've removed all the industry. What that basically means is we used to be a country that could take care of ourselves. We can't now. We're dependent on others for everything damn near because they moved it all and they gave it to China. Um, but the thing about China is not only is it communist, so they snap their fingers, they don't have to vote or ask, they can do what they will do. They're also a dictatorship with a president that is XI, which is an encode for 9-11. My point here is as follows. It would make perfect sense to me if there was a city-state put up for that power center, which is wholly owned and operated. And basically what happened is in Silicon Valley, they pushed out all these supposedly new technologies. I don't know how new they actually were. I suspect they've been around for decades. Um, but they couldn't implement them here because us idiots in the West still have dreams of freedom and the American dream. So they ported them over to China in communism and a dictatorship where they could do whatever they pleased. Now it's coming back, and it's encoded with alchemy. That's why it came into Darwin, Australia. They're informing the world this is the evolution of technology for all of you. That's why it hit Darwin. And by the way, Darwin's a made-up nonsensical idea. <laughs> and that was put in place by alchemy. Um, the alchemy of the mind. Um, so you can demonstrate these things all day long, but I was not aware um, that Singapore was a city-state. And if it is, then there's your, you know, you're beyond a troika now. Now you got a stool with four legs. <laughs> And that's kind of an important concept to, to get uh, to understand as well, because uh, when you look at uh, things encoded in masonry, well, first of all, there's always the trinity encoded there. But then there's also uh, the concept of four square that, that they put in there and uh, with four square squaring the circle. Uh, so uh, that would make more sense if there's a fourth city state in place now, too. So uh, when you're talking about these things, uh, there's a lot of esoteric 
things encoded in these ideas that, that most people wouldn't understand just by glancing at it on the surface. It's something that takes uh, a bit of uh, digging in to, to really understand a lot of these concepts. But uh, this is basically how they build things. This is the base of the pyramid, if, if there are four city-states in place. So uh, they're just looking to put the capstone on it when it comes down to it. So, uh, you know, when you look at things from that uh, perspective, that's, that's what we could see going on. And it may seem like we're going on a lot of tangents here, which we kind of are, but this all ties together. Like, yeah, it all relates. Back, mm-hmm. back into the things that we were discussing with UFO, anti-gravitic technologies, things like that. All of these things are being used and implemented in what they call the quote-unquote secret space program, which basically is your geoengineering programs that are going on right now. This is the stuff that's controlling the weather. Yep. So who is the rain man? You know, it's the geoengineers, it's the the secret space program, and now they're implementing this whole new space force idea to try and give this thing a public face. So, you know, it's it's another thing, and they they lie about what's above our head. We don't know what space looks like. We don't know what the truth is up there. Uh, I think they do have different uh, technologies up there. Uh, I do believe they're all in Earth orbit or, you know, uh, within Earth's atmosphere, because I have no reason to believe that they've been beyond that. But if they have, it's not with any technology that they've described uh, to that us. they've used to do so. Not to, to us. us. So, well, this you know, it, it's not really a tangent so much, though, Wayne. Think about this. You know how long they've been queuing up China. Um, once you see entertainment and Hollywood do things, these are places that have tie-ins to places like the CFR, and all that media is now owned by these corporations. If, if you had to guess, Wayne, what do you think the first time we saw Jackie Chan, what year would be the first time we saw Jackie Chan in a movie? Make a guess. Jackie Chan, I'm going to say 1995 or 96. Yeah, you're thinking of the brawl one. You know what the truth of it is? I think it's 1980 or 1981, the Cannonball Run, because I remember seeing it. Really? Oh, I remember that movie. I wasn't aware that he was in that. He couldn't even speak English. (laughs) Um, And and they had brought him over, and it was kind of a comedic part. You know, they paired him, in one of them, they paired him with Jaws. So it was a little dude, kung fu dude, and a big dude. And they passed him off as a Japanese guy, I think, in one oh, of Oh, he was driving the car, the car had that had, yeah, 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 technology. I remember that. So I think it was implying a job. Point is, they were teeing up. They knew about the, the China thing all the way back then. And, you know, people think that's not proof of anything. But when you've been looking as long as we have, you just see, you see what happens. And then when it gets serious, you can look at Jet Li. Um, what was the first one he did when he also couldn't speak English? If I had to guess, I'd say it was those uh, Mel Gibson movies. What what were they he did, called? He did The Last Lethal Weapon, but I, he was already yeah. doing stuff before that. But look how big a movie. I mean, that's with the t- that's with A-list actors is my point. Oh, so sure. He's, sure. he's the lead villain at that point. <laughs> so you can see the coming crossover. Now it's completely common for uh, a big USA list actor to go do a Chinese film or vice versa or have them both together. You can see the integration for the one world globalization. And people just can't understand that you don't look at what's happened. You look at everything that happened before the thing you're looking at happened. You know? <laughs> <laughs> We've got two more super yeah, chats it's... here. Uh, John, once again, thank you so much for $20. The problem is talk in New York at times. I have to get into a fist fight, so I have to fight with everyone. Um, that seems like a New York thing anyhow, though. <laughs> <laughs> 
everyone's <laughs> packed in there so tight. Everyone's on a short. They're, they're a little edgy all the time. Yeah, man. Give me some space. <laughs> John, if you want to send a little more over, um, maybe we can help you talk about that a bit. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure how to, how to answer that at the moment. Uh, Matthew Ross, uh, New Zealand, $10. Hello. Are, is, are there any major alignments happening in 2020 with the sky clock? For example, are different luminaries going to outshine Saturn? I'm not great with that stuff, but uh, do you know of anything, Crow? Well, yeah, there's going to be all kinds of luminaries that outside Saturn. Every time we can see Venus, that will be the brightest thing in the sky, except for a full moon. Every time we see a moon, it will outshine Saturn. There are, and I've forgotten, there's actually a perfect... Oh, did we already miss it? Um, I just, I can't get set up here. I've got such a narrow view until I can get a permanent mount high for my scope. Um, there was going to be a shot of a planet behind the moon near near new, which would be a perfect chance to prove that I, what I've been saying, a new moon or a very young moon, very, very young, is see-through. Um, that's why you can't see it when you go looking for a new moon, because it's not there. That's why they call it a new moon. Um, but there are other alignments. I'd have to go look them up. Um, I've been thinking about other things. But yes, there are things coming. In terms of brightness, those things don't really change. Things are as bright as they are, and they shift a little, but not much, mostly. And of course, I think I had seen something about. Sorry, I, I was going to say I th- think I had seen something about like uh, an alignment of five different planets or something at some point this year. I don't know if that's uh, if it's if it's happened already. I remember seeing something like last week or something on Facebook about it. Well, that that would be a big event, alchemical event deal, you know. One of the things that people don't understand is all this nonsense, this fake news and all these events we see going on, they're all put together alchemically. They're following alchemical process. They're timed to the sky clock. They're following the same process as someone would use to, say, make a medicine out of plants. That alchemical process is being applied to a mental alchemical process. As we were talking about before we came on the end, the JFK nonsense, the third part of that alchemical process is still not complete. They have to reveal all the secrets about it for that to be a completely done alchemical process. So think about it. He was killed a month before I was, less than a month before I was born. I'm over half a century old, and that alchemical process is still going. Are we sure that uh, the whole 9-11 event didn't have uh, a tie-in with that, though? Of course it did. Um there's nothing that you can look at on the world stage that it's like kind of like the Mayan calendars. You know how they sometimes show the Mayan calendars like gears where one is connected to the other and they're all spinning each other to make these cycles. There is nothing in the history that we can see that is not part of it. Um, and the reason for that is, is because a long time ago, some people got really rich and powerful and that's what happened. And so right now we call them oligarchs, the oldest European families, the black Venetians, the black Guelphs. These are the people. And however that ties to the Vatican, um, yeah, it's all alchemical, all of it. And the reason is, is because it works, which is why they've defamed it and tried to move us all to science. Because if we were all using alchemy, not only would we have medicine that works, but we'd have all kinds of other things that would appear magical, which really aren't. Speaking of that, we do have people trying to bring that back, like like your uh, your friend Sean. They're trying to get real medicine be, to be a thing again, and of course, 
it's met with resistance at uh, every turn you make. Yeah, but look at Sean. He's a prime example of righteousness. I We have friends in common with Sean that we're begging him, do not say anything in public, don't do anything, they're going to come get you. And Sean said, to hell with you, they have no right to stop me from trying to heal human beings with a natural plant. I don't care what they do to me. They arrested him twice, they took all his stuff twice, they never charged him, and look, he's back. And he never, ever backed off his belief. And that's what I'm talking about. If we had more people like Sean in the world, wouldn't be such a tough place because very few people would be standing for the nonsense. They'd be saying, I don't care what you do to me. This is wrong and I'm not going along with it. Most of us are afraid to do that because we got families and bills and houses and basically bear traps on our legs. That's right. And I, I have all the respect in the world for what Sean does. I'm sure he's helped a lot of people. But, oh, that's uh, coming he out tomorrow, lives. by the way. Yeah, he's, exactly. He, he saved lives. That's tomorrow's episode. That's right. Like, I, keep, not... I keep losing my track of days. That's tomorrow, right? Yeah. Tomorrow, yeah, everyone so tune in. I'm sleeping <laughs> so I can get up and, and put that out. I'm not supposed to be out here. You're not supposed you to be on a live stream with us. <laughs> but, yes, uh, tomorrow, our, our episode uh, 196. If I 196. We've been doing so many back to back lately. I'm starting to lose track. But yes, episode 196 being released tomorrow on Crow Triple Seven Radio is with Sean, and we are going to be discussing uh, just some updates with him and go into the differences between CBD, uh, uh, the whole thing, the, with, the, with the oil, what what it was, what it is, what it does, uh, how you can help yourselves, all the, th- the experiences he's had, and we get into it. Yeah, it's it's a great episode. Well, I was going to go to bed, but when I found out you guys were syndicated with uh, sponsors and all that, I was like, damn, I better get out there and see what's going on in the real world. I'm living in my own private Idaho here. That's right, and you and I will be doing this ourselves this Sunday. Don't forget that. That's right. You and I have left TFR, um, and we'll be doing a live stream here on Secrets of Saturn every Sunday night, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Yeah, and if anybody doesn't know... Um, we weren't sure really what our listenership and what kind of just, – just how much we were really having an impact on TFR. We do have a core group of followers between like 30 and 40 people that always show up in the chat room. But we could never get solid numbers on anything and we really just didn't know what to make of it after doing 71 episodes if I remember correctly. And these live streams took off like crazy. I mean the first first day, second time – uh, you were seeing all these views, and then I check afterwards, and, and hundreds of people, almost a thousand, have already watched watched the, the video. So I mean, that's some serious uh, business when it's only Wayne and I, and my channel's small. So we start talking about uh, doing doing a, a regular crow one, and I'm quite certain the audiences will be even larger. So we'll see. And and of course, we're we're in control here, and I think the sound quality will be far superior doing it this way so every well we'll see we'll see though jason this will be interesting to see you should get big relatively quick when we switch over to do this so it'll be interesting to see if youtube does anything to slow it down but also we'll be able to review a lot of old scope footage um and do stuff like that on this format right yeah definitely so yeah we want to kind of do something that's not just another chat show but we're gonna try and incorporate video and all that it's it's a learning thing and uh but we'll get there i think i think it's gonna be great but hopefully my channel will, will get larger which will benefit of course what we do with crow and what wayne and i do every wednesday so we'll see how that goes but anyway that is going to be every sunday 6 p.m est just at the same time we did tfr so hopefully you tune in for that
Plus, no annoying commercials except for, you know, go to lowerthefriction.com and put in SOS as your. <laughs> if we have commercials, it's because so, we want them there. <laughs> that's right. And if anybody's got Not a coffee one, I'll take a coffee sponsor. Hey, a coffee sponsor would be <laughs> I'm not joking right, either. Well, I'll take one of those. I, I, I'm taking two here, guys. If we're going to 11, I'll be right back. All right. All right. All right, Wayne, I think let's we can carry uh, on for a few minutes. We've only got 20 minutes left anyway, so where do we want to uh, kind of steer this to end up with the uh with the concepts we're on here? Uh, I think we could look at the whole geoengineering idea because Tesla technology ties directly into this as well. Uh you could look at uh like I said, I, I was looking mostly at the UFO idea in its relation to Tesla because of a lot of the ideas he put forth with uh <laughs> the advent of like electrogravitics and that kind of a thing with the propulsion systems, but uh, there's a lot more to it than just that. Uh, uh, basically, a lot of the stuff uh, that Tesla put out uh, is an undercurrent for much of our modern technologies now, our communication technologies, things of that nature. So uh, when you look at how this relates to the geoengineering programs, they have things in the sky that we're totally unaware of, like that they're even up there all the time at this point. And uh, Crow has filmed a large number of these objects up there. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there's there's definitely something there. So, I mean, you're looking at things like uh, cloaking technologies, things of that ilk, which uh, also tie directly back to the work of Tesla and some of his contemporaries back then. So, if you could have an object in the sky that isn't visible to the naked eye, uh, you know, that's kind of a an alarming type thing, especially if it's not detectable on standard radars or things like that. But uh, many of these technologies, I suspect, are, are used to uh, steer weather currents and, and that kind of a thing at this point. And also, uh, they've been spraying a lot of different chemicals into the sky, and they've been ionizing the upper atmosphere, and there's a reason for this. And this this ties back to a lot of uh, telecommunication-type technologies as well. So, uh it makes it more readily available for them to be able to bounce signals around uh, all across the sky. And uh, they could do different things with this, different kinds of signals as well, not just your standard uh, radio waves or something like that. There's a whole ton of things they could do with this stuff. And, and one of the things that seems to come up in conversations about uh, like UFOs and stuff like that a lot is something called Project Bluebeam. And this directly relates to the spraying of the sky as well, because uh, they they basically made it a giant projector field up there. If they wanted to uh, uh, project some type of holographic display or something up there, they could do that. And they could do it complete with sound and, and uh, olfactory type stuff, too, smells, everything. Like, like, they could actually hit all your senses with these different kinds of things. This technology exists. And they could do it with the stuff that they sprayed in the sky. Because uh, unbeknownst to most people, one of the things that they're actually spraying uh, in the sky with these chemtrails is a little substance called niobium. And this makes for a perfect backdrop for a projector for them. So uh, these nanoparticulates of niobium up there make for this perfect kind of uh, uh, a field for them to uh, project an image on. So... That's that's one of the technologies that I think we will be seeing used sometime in the near future. There's been talk about this for years, doing like some kind of a mock alien invasion type thing, yeah. things like this. So 
I mean, I think there's something to that idea. Uh, the technologies definitely do exist. All you have to do is go go look on YouTube. You can see these different uh, holographic displays where they have, you know, just these different images and stuff. Uh, one of the ones that I've seen, it's, it shows a high school gymnasium, and it shows a whale jump up and splash through the floor. And it looks totally 100% like it's a real thing right there. And if they could do this on that small scale, if they have the nanoparticulates in place in the sky to make a, a perfect projector screen for it. Imagine what they could do with that. So this is something that I think is a real possibility upcoming. White Rascal, thank you for the $5 super chat. Uh, I was going to get to this, actually, but uh, you, you beat me to it. Uh, Matt Landman, of course, our friend Matt Landman, who's one of the hardest working activists out there that we know of for chemtrails and 5G. Uh, he has his film Frankenskies, which if you haven't seen it, go check that out. And he has his new Sparrow uh, protection clothing line that he actually sent me a hat for. And I, I'm very grateful for that. But it's Sparrow, S-P-E-R-O, protectionclothing.com. And uh, he's doing a really good job, man. It's to help ward off all the nasty EMFs. Check out Matt if you're not familiar with him. As a matter of fact, Wayne, I've been meaning to ask him if he wants to come on a live stream since we're doing uh, well with keeping, keeping the, um, the numbers up every week. Oh, I'd love to have Matt on, certainly. Yeah, that'd be great. Sounds like Crow came back with us. We've only got 15 yeah. minutes left. So, uh, all right, let's start uh, wrapping this up, gentlemen. Where do we want to uh, – well, we, we're talking about UFOs and Tesla technology. So to kind of recap, if indeed there's something to the work of people like Nikola Tesla and what they call electrogravitic propulsion, meaning using electromagnetism – to push objects around and basically defy gravity, but it's not really doing that. It's it's two electric electromagnetic forces pushing off each other. Basically, uh, there's a guy uh, who I don't even know if he's still around, but got quite famous. Uh, did a lot of Art Bell kind of stuff years back, called uh, John Hutchison, and he had the Hutchison <laughs> effect, and he was doing things like this, doing. Uh, making things fly around, things like that. I don't think he was very good at controlling it, though. So imagine if you had uh, multi-billions of dollar budgets thrown at you every other day, if you could make that work and make an aircraft fly. John, thank you for the $2. Matt Lemon is indeed doper than dope. Thank you. <laughs> we agree. <laughs> but go ahead, gentlemen, take it away. Yeah, John Hutchinson's work is really, really interesting. And uh, I think... Uh, the stuff he was doing. This was the real deal. Uh, he's kind of gone into like more of. He's disappeared from public view now at this point. Uh, but yeah, he's done some interesting stuff. Uh, I think largely uh, electrogravitics or you know so-called anti-gravity technologies, just like everything else, are misdescribed to us. This isn't really what's going on. I think it has more to do uh, with the actual ether itself. And uh, it involves uh, moving the ether itself in a way. And I, I think gravity relates 100% to this. Because when it comes down to it, I, I think there's only like one general force that uh, underlies everything. And that's, that's some form of electricity. Or some people would argue something called dielectricity, which uh, is something, you know, it's pretty similar. Like electricity is a modality of dielectricity as is magnetism so it's like two sides of the same coin but it's the same force and I think gravity falls into this category too it's the same thing it's just a different way that it affects the ether 
and and that's basically what it's about. And I think when you look back into uh, like eighteen hundreds, late eighteen, <laughs> excuse me, <laughs> late eighteen hundreds, ether physics from guys like Maxwell, uh, you could kind of see better descriptions of how this works. What this is is it, it creates a, a disturbance in the ether field, and uh, it causes these things to happen. So electricity and magnetism don't exactly operate on the principles that they tell us they do. They don't really understand exactly how they operate, but I think it has something to do with ether. And I, I haven't looked enough into this yet, but I am starting to research it a little bit more so because I think it has more to do with ether than it does with say magnetism or anything like that. But it's one general force and it's some form of electricity that pretty much, uh, affects the ether field and causes these different effects. So that's what I think it is, and that's what I think these technologies uh, are developed on, is this kind of a concept in secret. Well, I think you could almost demonstrate uh, one of the main intentions of making up UFOs, the idea that little gray guys or some super smart lizard people lifted from Conan the Barbarian, as far as we can tell. I thought they were Sleestack. Um, think well, think about it. You know, the military is going to do all this technology. Um, look what they're doing now with the chemtrails. Look at the orbs. So with all this narrative they put in place, whenever you see something, the average person is going to say, oh, my God, I saw a UFO. They're not even necessarily going to, you know, put together what that, that word means. But you see what I'm saying here. In a normal, sane world where that kind of mind warp hadn't been put out there, people are going, what the heck is that? Who built that? Those are the questions you'd be asking. So I think that just on reasonable deduction alone, you can kind of see what's going on here. Right. Well, yeah. go ahead, Lynn. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things where they kind of put this uh, social engineering narrative out there, this social programming with this whole alien idea. And just like Jason was alluding to, this Lee stack. Remember that old TV show, Land of the Lost? Yep. Not only that, they tie in the whole fake dinosaur idea, too. With oh, that. yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's just mind-boggling how far this programming uh, goes back and, and, and how exactly they, they hit us on all these different uh, platforms and levels with it. So it, it's, it's really an uphill battle when you're trying to maintain your common sense looking at a lot of this stuff. And it, it really is a fight sometimes because, it, you know, the cognitive dissonance is real with a lot of this stuff. It's been so ingrained and indoctrinated into us from an early age that when you come to the realization that uh, the vast majority of things you've ever been taught have been totally wrong, <laughs> then, you know, you have to come at things and you have to really rethink things you thought you knew. And it's it's really a rediscovery process for a lot of different things. But, yeah, when you look at the way we've been socially programmed just through these subtle things like like television shows like that and stuff, it's just astounding. Get, get this, Wayne. When I took my break, I was still thinking about Rain Man. And I always do this test. I thought to myself, because the runtime and the release date always have information encoded. So I tried to predict before I looked it up. And I thought, well, probably it's going to be eights. Right. The mercurial uh, and, and the time idea. I said, there's almost certainly got to be a seven there for the mind weapon idea. And, and then I thought, well, maybe I'm wrong about those. It'll just be 33. Get this. December 16. There's your seven. 1988. And the runtime. Oh, boy. 88 miles per hour. Minutes. I predicted all of them 
because um, it's 133 minutes. So I actually literally just now I gotta start. I gotta start doing. Well, I don't know how I'd prove that I didn't look first. I'm gonna say I gotta. I gotta write down. Write the stuff down first and then look. Wait, well, you gotta you gotta do something where it's time stamped and then you don't do it till the next day. Yeah, but the problem is, you know, people could say, oh, you looked that up yesterday. But I, I'm just telling you, I just right now I was thinking at first I was thinking, OK, the 9-11 idea will be there. And I thought, no, not the 9-11 idea. It's got to be eights. Got to be eights. Of course, it's the 80s. It was eight. And then I thought seven, the mind weapons got to be there. So the seven was there. But then I thought, well, maybe I'm wrong about those. It'll just be 33. Um, all three of them were there. Hmm. Yeah, well, the, we we all know that the number thing is uh... – I mean, they play that way everywhere with everything, and I have even, I barely looked into it. And uh, I guess we should get a, a good plug in for our friend Hoaxbuster. I, I think he's probably the best at finding these little nuggets of truth and tying them all together. And even you and I are just like, whoa, that was that was pretty damn good, man. <laughs> well, he's very good at at drawing uh, no nonsense parallels um, to the point where he doesn't even speak in the clips. Um, yeah, he's he's good at illustrating what he's found. But more than that, he's well versed in uh, in all the old myths. And if people, you know, that that's one thing I would say to everyone. You know, you ask all why all roads go to Rome. Well, we've kind of explained that. But if you don't understand Greek and Roman myth, you're going to miss half the stuff. That particularly this year, you're going to miss damn near everything that happens this year. We got the Olympics coming. Where does that come from? You know, if you understand Greek and Roman myth, you won't be fooled as often. Jeremiah Harris, thank you for the $35 super chat. He says, thank you for all of your hard work and diligence. I hope all you gentlemen have perfect vision and perfect health in 2020. Thank you so much. And of course, we wish that for you guys as well. What is it you always say, Crow? You you have your... Your really nice phrase that I like that you always put Oh, out. well, I no longer comment on YouTube because if I do, censorship will follow. So I no longer write descriptions, and my titles are kind of <laughs> occult titles. But I always write in the description of every single one, I would like to wish you all a happy, healthy, and higher-minded year ahead. But lately, I've been switching it up to screw with their AI. I'll, I'll switch happy with healthy. So there's so there's a change, and I'm laughing because I know that's how they scan those little descriptions and titles. But that's what I write on every single video now. And by the way, I haven't been censored in quite some time, per se. That's not true. They pulled a video last week, but I mean in general. Yeah, we thought that one was going to get it though. That was a Kurt video, and more than likely Kurt's hitting pretty pretty close to the. No, no, no! I didn't bring you up to date. I challenged the Kurt video, and I won. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, but the one that they pulled was one where I was talking with I think might have been Randy, um, where I predicted a shooting by date, not by place or anything. No, 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 no. It was it was fake shootings. Well, just suffice to say it had fake shootings and it, and it had hoax in the title. So they quietly removed it and didn't inform me either. They didn't send me a thing saying it was removed. Well, I got to tell you, I don't even put no, any kind of hashtags on this anymore. I just don't – I don't put anything and it's not worth it. I, I think that we have enough of an audience that understands that uh, we try to go over important stuff for them. And I would rather build it through word of mouth and putting a whole bunch of hashtags and all that because that just I'm just handing the AI crackers at that point. Here, have a biscuit. Yeah, I don't Come do. find oh, me and one. get me. 
The, the other one they pulled, Jason, is the one where my wife and I are singing Nobody Died, Nobody Got Hurt, where I, where I animated the little crows yeah, across all the fake funny. events. Um, they pulled that once, so I retitled it, and the Academy Award goes to, and I put a different thumbnail on it, and I changed the runtime, and it ran for a long, long time. They just pulled that one. That's a drag. That was They great, figured though. it out. <laughs> I, well, it's going to get better and better every year. We know this. It's uh, They're just going to keep figuring out how to do things. That's why I'm not giving them anything. And I like the fact that we're joking around and laughing. At what we, you know, the more we keep this as a casual thing, I think it's the harder it, – it, it's going to be harder for them to figure out. We're making the, the AI work harder to figure out what we're talking about. Because even though, though we talk about heavy stuff every week uh, – I mean, if you're going to have me in a room, I'm going to crack jokes all the time. That's just what I do. So. <laughs> oh, yeah, we're going to be goofy and obnoxious, no doubt about it. So, you know, goofy and obnoxious, that, that's a win-win for YouTube. So uh, I'm sure the algorithms kind of don't know how to pick up uh, when you're you're putting serious stuff in with goofy and obnoxious. So, you know, we can kind of dodge them. Yeah, we way. could just quit talking and write everything in cursive and the AI would be completely... <laughs> And we'll just hold it up to the screen, wave the paper. Yeah, e- each one of Here's us number one. handwriting. <laughs> or, or, we do... Do it, or we could do it Pictionary style and just right. draw a little picture of what we're talking about. We'll get out that's our spirographs. That's what I do on every episode image, and I laugh my butt off because I know the AI can't figure it out, but a human being can. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> well, the human beings will always be smarter. The, the computers might be able to outcalculate us, but... I think we'll always be more ingenuitive. Is ingenuitive a word? Well, it is now. It is now because I said so. You see how smart those humans are? They can invent new words on the fly. On the spot, man. That's my word, and I give it to you. (laughs) Ingenuitive. Where's Baldini? We need to run that word by him. (laughs) Well, you see, uh, that's not actually a real word, but, uh, you know, more power to you. (laughs) <laughs> we love baldini yeah actually i didn't see him here tonight i wonder where he's at i, sh- I should have pestered him but uh, all right we've only got a couple minutes left here gentlemen so uh why don't we get our our, our final words in here crow you want to go first rain man rain man there's my final word no <laughs> um no uh tomorrow the sean episode's going to come out on crow triple seven radio.com um he's out from under it all now he's back doing what he ever did uh trying to help people and i i assure you that man is true to his word he has a core set of values and even if he's going to jail he will not violate them even if he's going to lose everything he owns and all he's doing is making what he considers to be medicine and trying to help people um, other than that, we've got a hell of an episode 200. We've got the Q&A coming, Jason, which I think will be next week, half of the Q&A. we got so many questions. That's going to be a couple episodes. Mm-hmm. But when, when we get past 200, we're going to lay down a 60s episode that will blow the roof off this yeah, habitation. Yeah, that's that's, uh, that's going to be quite a thing when we get that done. So, Wayne, what do you want to say to finish this off? I just want to thank everybody for coming out once again and uh, listening to our our musings here. Um, <laughs> it's, it's you know good that people could tune in uh, and get a bit of levity along with some good information, and uh, you know enjoy the the conversation. So 
you know, everybody, thanks for coming out again. If anybody has any questions for me directly, you can reach me at alchemicaltechrevolution at gmail.com or just drop by my Facebook page, Files from the Conspiratorium, and, and drop a question or something in there. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm usually pretty interactive with people on there. That's my primary uh, contact points. So uh, I got a new book in the works that should be coming out sometime this spring. And uh, other than that, I'll be here every week with Jason and uh, checking in with Crow regularly and, and uh, you know, just doing what we do. So, Hey, not one person mentioned Mudflood or Tartaria this time. I don't know if they've realized it irritates me, <laughs> but uh, uh, I'll be the one to mention it this time. Mudflood and Tartaria. Hmm. I think we've got something in mind for that, it, don't Jason, we? Thanks. Well, we've got something in mind for I that, so. and uh, we'll be getting to that. But uh, thanks, everybody, so much. Uh, if you would be so kind and want to check out, please take a, a shot over to our sponsor, LowerTheFriction.com, who is none other than Randy from Houston, also a gentleman who shot the Lunar Wave. Thanks, everybody, so much for being here, and, of course, we'll be back next week. Uh, oh, I always forget, a promo code SOS will get you 5% off the bottle of Lower the Friction. And I'll let you guys know how it's doing in my car, too, by the way. That's why we did that, just so that I can see. I have a 2018 Honda Fit. It's a little bitty 1.5 liter engine, so it gets decent gas mileage. But uh, what I noticed so far was getting 3 miles per gallon more, and we'll see if that increases as time goes by. But anyway, thank you so much, gentlemen, for being here, as always. Thank you to our wonderful audience. Thank you for the super chats. And we will be seeing you next week. Don't know the topic yet, but there it is. And, and Sunday. Oh, yes, and Sunday. Sunday, join Crow and myself for our first live stream. So there we go, folks. Thank you, and good night.